everyone, and welcome to The Circle Opens, a podcast devoted to a chapter-by-chapter review of Stephen King's The Stand. With the holiday season upon us, are you looking for an affordable source for Stephen King books, movies, collectibles, and more? Make sure to visit Secondhand Bookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Listeners of this podcast can use the coupon code THECIRCLE for 20% off their order at any time, and there's always free shipping to the United States. That's secondhandbookery at secondhandbookery.etsy.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Circle Opens. Happy holidays. And as always, I am Sarah, and I'm here to bring you this week's chapter review of The Stand. But first, I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone for understanding about last week's podcast break. Um, as you all know, obviously, episodes, uh, new episodes of the podcast are dropped on Saturdays. But in October, my husband surprised me with a trip to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando. And I was just about to sing um, Orlando, I Love You from the Book of Mormon musical, but I will spare all of you (laughs) not do that. Um, But we were leaving on a Thursday before, um, I think it was the 5th of December, and I tried to get the episode together and recorded before we left. But life just did not cooperate. I didn't have the time. Um, and, you know, it's just easier and less stressful for me to take a short break from the podcast for a week. Um, and I had a great time. And um, I really appreciate everybody being understanding of skipping a week. Hopefully you all had uh, time to catch up on the book. And I did miss you guys. So, <clears throat> And I came back with a cold, of course. I don't think that I will be able to read this full book without getting sick at least once a month while I do it. So. Here we are. And just some really quick news in terms of The Stand, um, the book and the CBS All Access miniseries. Back in March, I pre-ordered, there was a limited edition of The Stand from PS Publishing, um, who are based in the United Kingdom. And this edition was to be separated. um, They separated the three books. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, It was a three-book volume. They separated the three books of The Stand into each individual, um, they gave them each individual book, I guess. I'm describing this poorly. But basically, this new edition included um, new illustrations from artist Don Bates. I was really excited to get this. Um, I've been waiting impatiently and patiently, depending on my mood. (laughs) Um, I've been following PS Publishing on Twitter just for like updates and stuff. And Don Mates, the artist, he signed um, the books. They were all numbered. They were limited to a thousand. And I was very, very lucky to be at the right place at the right time to order a copy <clears throat> back in March. So these books actually arrived on Monday, and I think it was the ninth of this week. I can't remember. I don't even know what day today is. But um, I was really excited to get it. They are gorgeous. I took some photos of the books um, very quickly. And posted them on my blog, The Circle Opens, which you can find at thecircleopens.com if you guys want to check that out. Um, Some I've also put on my Instagram at The Circle Opens. And I do plan on taking some better photos. Um, I get up in the morning and by the time I leave for work, it's dark. And when I get home, it's dark. And I really like the natural daylight for book photos. So it's been really difficult to get um, some decent pictures of these books. Um, I'll try to get some this weekend and post some better ones on the blog. 
But the artist, um, the artwork is phenomenal. And if I could take a picture of every single illustration in the book, I would. Um, <laughs> I don't know how legal that is <laughs> to put on the internet, but um, <clears throat> I will definitely put some more photos up so you guys can check that out. Um, I think that we'll probably be getting a new cover for The Stand next year, too, with the release of the CBS All Access adaptation. With a lot of King's books, when they get new adaptations, um, new editions are released, like Pet Cemetery, It. So I'm pretty convinced that we'll be getting a new cover for The Stand as well. And there has been some casting news for the series this week. Um, nothing too major. Um, an actor named Brandon Eddy has been cast as Vince Hogan, whom we all know as one of the three men who were arrested for assaulting Nick Andros in Shoyo, Arkansas. And, of course, Vince doesn't make it out of the jailhouse. Um, but it's always fun just to put a face to uh, these characters. And also Natalie Martinez. <clears throat> She's been cast, although they didn't say who she was playing yet. And I kind of thought maybe she would be Lucy Swan, but I'm not I'm not 100% positive. I haven't really had a – I've been keeping an eye on social media just to see if they release who she's playing, but I haven't seen anything yet. And she was in the series Kingdom. She was also more recently in a series called Island. And Stephen King fans will probably know her best from Under the Dome. She played Deputy Linda Esquivel. And I know she was in the first season. I'm not sure how long she was in the second season for, if she was. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the second season because um, the series was not good. <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't keep up with it. But I did enjoy her. I did like her acting. I think she's a good actress. And I'm kind of excited to see who she might play, if she's going to have a larger role in the series or if she's just going to kind of guest star like some of these other actors. So with that being said, we are going to jump into this week's episode of The Stand. And this is episode 30 of this podcast. I've been doing this 30 weeks now, and it's been a blast. Um, we're only on chapter 33 now, but we are making headway. We're getting close to the end of Captain Tripp's book one. <clears throat> Excuse me again. I'm going to try not to do that through this whole episode. A quick recap of last week, or I guess not last week, but two weeks ago, the last episode, chapter 32, we were back in Phoenix with Lloyd Henry, who is still locked in a maximum security prison. The super flu has killed off the majority of the inmates as well as the guards, um, who are nowhere to be found if they are still alive. And Lloyd is rationing his food because he knows he won't survive long once his rations are gone. And he does have a dead rat under his mattress, you know, just in case. So in chapter 33, we are back with Nick Andros. And despite most of the town um, dying off or, you know, fleeing, Nick is still in Shoyo. We're not really sure why he stuck around, although he probably has no idea where to go. He is found reading a drugstore paperback in the sheriff's office when the lights go out. And Nick, of course, has this terrifying thought that maybe the man haunting his dreams every night was coming for him, the dark man. Nick goes outside to find that there's still some daylight in the sky, but twilight is almost over and the street lights were dark. The lights in the drugstore are also out and the junction boxes on top of the power poles have gone quiet. And this is something Nick can verify by touching the pole um, as he can no longer feel the vibrations from the power poles. There are some candles in the supply closet 
supply cabinet in the sheriff's office, but you know, that's a very little comfort to Nick because it says the fact of the lights going out had hit him very hard. And now he stood looking to the West, silently begging the light not to desert him and leave him in this dark graveyard. Nick watches the last of the daylight fade before he returns to the sheriff's office to find the candles in the cabinet. As Nick cannot hear, he doesn't hear the door bang open behind him. A very sick Ray Booth staggers inside. And we're going to go back here really quickly to Chapter 9. When we first met Nick, uh, you guys might remember that Ray Booth was the ringleader of the group of guys who jumped Nick on his way out of Shoyo. They beat him up and robbed him. And Ray was wearing an LSU class ring. Um, Nick had used that to identify the man to Sheriff John Baker. Of those four men, two are for sure dead from the flu, Vince Hogan and Brad Warner. And the third, Mike Childress, was feeling very poorly when Nick let him out of the jail. Um, As far as we know, um, Mike has fled Shoyo, but we really don't know what his fate was. Given he was sick when he was uh, released, it's safe to say that he's probably dead by now. However, Ray is not, but he's still sick, so Mike could still be out there staggering around somewhere. Ray Booth's face is described as being black and puffy, which we know are the telltale signs of Captain Tripps. When word got out that Sheriff Baker was questioning the men who assaulted Nick, Ray Booth had taken off. They were unable to find him. So now we know where he was. Apparently... He was laid up in the woods for about a week or so, going back to June 22nd. By the morning of June 24th, he was feeling sick. And finally, this evening, hunger and fear for his life drove him back into town. Only he has seen nobody. The whole town is empty. But for Nick, he uh, calls him the, quote, goddamn beauty freak who had gotten him into this fix in the first place. And no, 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 no. Ray... You got yourself into this fix. God, this guy is just the worst. There's so many characters in this book that I'm just like, you are the worst. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, he sees Nick walking across town square. He's got Baker's pistol holstered at his hip. And this infuriates Ray. This is a town where he basically grew up. And he sees Nick thinking he owns this town now. This, This town belongs to him. And since Ray figures that he's going to die from whatever took everyone else... He plans on taking Nick out with him. He's going to show Nick that he doesn't own shit. So while Nick's back is turned, Ray descends on him, wrapping his hands around Nick's neck from behind and strangling him. Obviously, this takes Nick by surprise. Um, Nick was half strangled before he got over his first terror, and he felt sudden certainty that the black creature from his dreams had come to life. Some fiend from the basement of hell was behind him and had wrapped its scaled claws around his neck as soon as the power had failed. Once Nick pushes past that initial terror, he begins to fight back. Although even at his weakest, it seems like Ray is pretty strong. He, Nick, can't hear Ray's ragged breathing, but he can feel it against his ear. Um, The two of them battle for dominance, but... Ray can feel that the strength in his hands is starting to fade, so he he just tries to off Nick as quickly as he can with what little strength he has left. Nick begins to feel the world fading away, and the pain in his throat has become pleasantly numb, 
but he stomps on Booth's foot and thrusts his weight back against him, and they both fall to the ground after, I think, they trip on a candle. So this kind of loosens Ray's grip on Nick's neck, and Nick rolls away, struggles with getting the gun out of the holster at his hip, and he's panicked now, of course, and understandably so, because Ray gets back to his feet, and this is when the gun goes off, but the bullet kind of furrows down the side of Nick's leg and embeds itself in the floor. Ray falls on top of him, and he begins to gouge Nick's eyes with, with his thumbs. And I've mentioned this before, but I really hate body horror. I just, oh, specifically the face, it just makes me really squeamish. <laughs> and I'm going to admit to you guys that I did dry heave a little bit <laughs> reading this section again. Um, I mean, my eyeballs right now, they hurt just thinking about, like, talking about it. Like, I feel the pain in the back of my eyes. Thankfully, Nick gets the gun loose and shoves it into Ray's side before pulling the trigger. A moment later, Booth stiffens and slumps on top of Nick. Nick is very scared, and he's crying, and he manages to crawl out from beneath Booth, one hand clamped over one of his wounded eyes. His his head felt as if giant, merciless calipers had been screwed into his temples. Nick finds one of the candles on the ground, and he lights it. Ray is dead, face down on the floor. He looked like a dead whale cast up on a beach, and the gun made a blackened circle on the side of his shirt, the size of a flapjack, and there's a lot of blood. So Nick goes into the bathroom, and there is blood seeping out from behind his fingers. It seems like Ray had done enough damage now that Nick is going to be blind in one eye. It reads, You fixed me, he told the dead man. First my teeth, and now my eye. Are you happy? You would have taken both eyes if you could have done it, wouldn't you? Taken my eyes and left me deaf, dumb, and blind in a world of the dead. How do you like it, homeboy? Nick kicks Booth's body again and again, but the feel of his boot sinking into that dead meat makes him feel rather sick. So after a while, Nick returns to his bunk and sits down with his head in his hands. Outside, the dark held hard. Outside, all the lights of the world were going out. So Nick is still in Shoyo. I'm not sure if he's living at the baker's um, or just hunkered down in the sheriff's office for the time being. Um, When last we saw Nick, he was carrying Janie Baker's body down to the funeral home to bury her. Um, I'm not sure if he's returned to the baker's house or not. He seems pretty comfortable in the sheriff's office, despite the fact that uh, two men died in there. And I'm pretty sure that he took both bodies to the basement. But, you know, as far as we can tell, he's alone in town. We still don't even know what happened to Soames, the doctor. Uh, The last time Nick saw him, he was also sick. So I'm assuming he's dead. And we see the return of Ray Booth. But we also learn that the electricity in the country is starting to fail. Without people around to keep it running, um, it was only a matter of time. But I think we really do take certain things for granted, especially things like electricity. Um, You know, for those of you who live in uh, areas of the country where you get a lot of storms and the power goes out a lot, you know, just having the power out for like a couple hours is pretty inconvenient and you don't realize how much you use it for. So trying to put yourself in this position of, you know, everything that's happened in this book, and then you're slowly getting things taken away from you, and now the power. So it would be scary enough, I think, to be 
in a place where the dead are pretty much all around you. Try to imagine yourself alone in a small town during what is seemingly the end of civilization as you know it. Uh, but then to have to have the lights go out. It's probably, it probably wouldn't be so bad during the daytime, you know, but once the sun sets and all you have are candles, um, assuming that you're prepared with some, it has to be worse for Nick being unable to hear or speak and not knowing what could be coming at him in the dark, like Ray Booth. Ray appears after about a week and he tries to kill Nick. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to it other than I think Ray his sense of entitlement being threatened and his testosterone. <laughs> and he does. He tries to kill Nick. He probably would have succeeded if he hadn't been so weak with the super flu. Nick had to shoot him to save his own life. But Nick does not get away unharmed. Ray manages to gouge out one of his eyes, leaving Nick unable to cure. And now with only one good eye and busted teeth when he got punched in the face, Honestly, Nick has some really shitty luck in this book so far, and he's really done nothing to deserve any of it. This is another chapter where King, um, Stephen King is quickly pulling apart society, and we already got the chaos, the riots, the violence, but now, with all of that quieting down, the disaster is still unraveling just in the shape, you know, in this form of the electricity failing, not only in Shoyo, but across the country. Survivors are going to be plunged into darkness, and it's a really eerie mental image, um, especially with the dark man roaming the highways now and haunting their dreams. Some of our survivors seem to be doing okay. Um, Fran is still in her childhood home, and she has Harold, I guess, <laughs> um, if they decide to leave together. Larry has a traveling companion in Rita Blakemore. And Stu is now free of the CDC and the doctors and scientists, but Nick is alone and he is unable to hear and he's now suffering from a bleeding wounded eye. Lloyd is locked away in a jail cell with no one around to help him. I really just like how King kind of took us on this fever pitch of how quickly the flu happened. Um, how quickly it spread, how quickly people got sick, how quickly civilization kind of just fell apart and people turned against each other. They went crazy. Um, and now it's just like you reach that crescendo and now we're kind of going down the other side of the hill. And now it's just like things like the power going out. Um, what's going to happen when the food goes bad? What about all these dead bodies all over the country, out in the sun, out, you know, um, decaying. What about when winter hits? What are people going to do? So chapter 33 is a rather short chapter. Um, I did briefly consider tacking on chapter 34 with this episode, but chapter 34 introduces us to a rather interesting character that we have not yet met. Um, obviously, because that's what introduces us means. <laughs> Donald Merwin Elbert, also known as the Trash Can Man. And his introduction is a fun, fascinating one, and it really does need its own episode. So I will be holding off on that until next week. And that's all I have for you guys for this episode today. If you are enjoying the podcast, um, you can leave me a rating and or review at Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever platform you listen to this episode, this podcast on. The, um, the ratings are really helpful in getting the podcast noticed, and I really, truly appreciate Everybody who has left me a review and rating so far, they are so appreciated. Um, 
I really, 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 really want to thank you guys for that. And if you want to keep up on any uh, news about the stand miniseries, you can follow me on social media at The Circle Opens. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I do have a Tumblr account as well. It hasn't been updated in a while, but it's there. I have some, you know, some cute pictures and gifts and all that stuff on there. So as I begin to ramble into the end of this episode, thank you guys again for listening. And M-O-O-N, that spells, see you next week. Thank you.